This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This week, we are taking a look at Tarzan to see if our nostalgia is warranted. Now, Sarah, you chose this film, so duty is upon you to do the 60-second <laughs> synopsis. And I should probably set up a timer for this. So should this Do you remember that this is a thing that we do? Yeah, and I've already like come to the conclusion I'm going to fail at it, but that oh, or no. my synopsis is just going to be like, hey guys, it's Tarzan again. <laughs> well, yes, everyone should know the story of Tarzan, but this is Disney's take on it, yes. where there's yellow dresses and such. Well, the biggest change is it's a different type of monkey. Mm-hmm. Was he raised by chimpanzees? Yes. Which would make more sense why he could fly around in the trees. All right, but let's start us off. I'll give you a countdown. And in three, two, one, go. After being shipwrecked and then orphaned, young Tarzan is adopted by Kala, a uh, gorilla who tries to make her part of the group, even though her husband doesn't like him. Uh, He tries throughout his growing up to become part of the animals around him, but he never feels like he's fits in until one day jane her scientist father and the obvious bad guy show up to look for gorillas um tarzan starts to learn what it means to be part of both worlds uh the obvious bad guy ends up being the obvious bad guy he saves the day (laughs) but his father figure dies and his father figure finally tells him that he can lead the gorillas tarzan decides to stay and become king of the gorillas and jane decides that staying with uh, Tarzan as the apes is more important than going back to England and her dad decides to say too because he is a crazy man oh also <laughs> obvious bad guy dies the end perfect <laughs> right in right in the middle or right in the middle right in time you nailed it uh, I think you are the only one among us never to fail that game <laughs> obvious bad guys obvious he really was let's talk about a few things there first of all i well let's get into long form where we discuss things we saw as adults that we didn't see as kids uh the first thing that i noticed is like there is no other adult male besides kerchak and i looked this up it's the things that gorillas do they live in harems Yes. Meaning one male with several wives. Yes. Which would explain why Kerchuk didn't want Tarzan. Because he, you know, having another male around, they kind of grow up to either take over the tribe or create their own tribes. I don't and think he's Disney, not one of them. I don't think Disney thought about that because I think the same could be true about lions. Like in Lion King, I'm pretty sure they just have one male and several female surrounded the kids. If they, they wouldn't don't get have into thought that about it, then why did they only have one male in the group? Well, I don't think you can tell whether they have... Because I, I think Turk's other friends were male. Correct. I think you the can't tell. For some, of the, for some of the younger children, yes, some of them are male. No. All the other adults are female. I think some of the adults are male. I think it's hard to tell because they don't talk and all of the monkey faces look the same. 
Some of those, but no, some of they those don't. No, Kerchak do has Kerchak has a distinct forehand, a forehead, <laughs> and he's a silverback gorilla, which none of the others were. But but I definitely think there are more masculine faces on some of the background. I apes. I disagree. <laughs> I'll, I'll I disagree Googling. as well, which led me to believe that Tarzan's tribe is going to die out at the end of the movie. Because Kerchak dies, he is left in charge, and he's not the same species as them. I'm Googling it. Yeah, it's a thing that gorillas do. No, oh, not. you're looking I'm, if there's male characters I'm in looking Tarzan. at the background monkeys in the oh, movie. Oh, jeez. I doubt All right, Mark, let's vamp for 10 minutes while Sarah looks this (laughs) up. Well, Disney tries to be, like, very well-researched on, like, movement and things like that. There are certain parts of animal behavior that they're just like, we're we're not getting it. But in Lion King, are there any other male lions? Scar. Well, there's Scar. But Scar, well, (laughs) aside from the leading member of the pride, are there any other male lions? No, there are not. It's all other women. And one is kind of the designated wife, but unlike Lion King, this movie doesn't really give, well, it gives her a lot of showtime, but it's all about her relationship with Tarzan and not her relationship with Kerchak. Every time that they talk, Kerchak is either yelling at her or yelling at the group well, of how he needs I to protect his family. I think in a very subtle way, they're portraying two different approach- approaches to dealing with child death. Because remember, the whole reason they get Tarzan in the first place is they lose their child. And where Kala... That was something I didn't remember from ever watching it as yeah, a kid. I think... I did not remember that either. If they had... Maybe it was a deleted scene or something that just got taken out. Like, if it were me, I could have put a scene at the beginning showing this happening so you understand why it's important to them to have uh... Tarzan. Because the two seconds of dialogue i just yeah but to show it they'd have to show a small baby animal getting ripped apart by a leopard you don't have to show that they showed a guy hanging himself on a tree that is true but they show it in silhouette in silhouette and there's no blood and if there's no blood it's fine Uh, another thing i didn't remember i didn't remember that tarzan's parents survived when they came to the island i totally blacked out you know, them arriving on the boat and building a treehouse like the Swiss family Robinson and living there until they eventually die from the same cat that killed the, uh, the small gorilla. Maybe I only remember it because it's it, it's an attraction at Disneyland. They ha- It used to be the Swiss family Robinson treehouse and now it's the Tarzan treehouse and they have what is basically a replica of that thing. And they actually have like in one of the things they have like areas you can't get into that are set up like a, a, like a staging area. And so they have a room that has like all of these Victorian era chairs and stuff like that. And they have the picture of the whole family setting where you can see it. Oh, that's yeah. very sweet. Though I want to talk about the the cat for a little bit. Because the cat is, you know, the driving force. It's what kills Tarzan's parents and the young gorilla. It kind of sets off the entire thing. I do have a thing. note about that. Uh, what was your note? Why is the leopard not sentient? Yeah. Every other animal can talk. This one has no language whatsoever. My question is, is there a divide in language between meat eaters and veggie eaters? Well, but you know what? Do elephants eat meat? At that that point of the movie, you hadn't heard the gorillas talk yet either. And at that point, he's just trying to attack something. So he may have just been growling angrily. Everyone's listening to Phil Collins narrate the film at that point. Well, yeah, because Phil Collins is the best. It was great. I was rocking out. Uh, Though... Uh, back to the cat he doesn't talk he's not given a character but i thought his death where tarzan defeats him should have come much later in the film oh no it's I kind thought... of like a denouement that 
Tarjan is avenging his parents and showing Kerchak that no. he can protect the tribe. Here's what I thought. I thought him killing that was because it comes right at the end of the growing up montage, which there isn't. Why are there so many Disney movies that have a growing up montage? It was the 90s. Because it <laughs> it appeals to kids who are in the middle of that growing up montage. Anyway, I thought it was more, it was this capstone that this is finally showcasing that he is no longer this child that needs to be taken care of. Because the whole, like, before that is stuff about, oh, you can't keep up. You can't do stuff like us. You can't fend for yourself. And I thought this was the capping off moment of all of those arguments of, no, I am an adult now. And that's why I thought it was in the perfect space. I think there's a better way to do that where I just see it more significant that Tarzan is defeating this cat who set off his entire life story. But I think it's important that it sets off the story, but Sabor isn't the bad guy. And there's I never... I think it could have been. I think he could no. have played part in the It could have been, but then they would have had no story with the humans. It's a different story arc that I'd like to see that wasn't necessarily part of the film. I get that. <laughs> I think you're getting a little too jungle booky because I think that's what it would have become if you had Sabar, Sab- Sabor, Sabor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Be I think so. That they, bad they, guy. Do they even say it? I think they say it once. Yes, he yeah, says like Sabor killed his family. Kala says but it. it's so it clearly divides segments in this film because the death of Sabor is one where they start the montage of Tarzan is another because it comes at the very end of a scene where. Uh, Tarzan's mom is explaining to him that they have the same heartbeat, no, therefore they are the we same. We will say nothing bad about that moment. I love that moment. I Th- got that, a little... That, no, I am on board with this film for a long stretch of time. Where I lose it is when the other humans come in. Oh which no, because Mini Driver is adorable and I love her. I guess what I'm getting to is that to me, especially the first time I watched this, it felt like this was more of like the episodes of Tarzan's life as opposed to one continuous film. Now there are things that travel along with it, but I think it could work much better as a series than as a movie where this would be the end of the one of the first episodes. I think maybe why that you're getting that feeling and why it has that feeling is as opposed to a lot of the other Disney Renaissance things that are based on fairy tales, which are at most maybe like five, ten pages and they're having to extrapolate out. This is based on a book, a full book with multiple sequels and things like that. And they're having to condense down. And so it feels like this is a chapter. This is a chapter. This is a chapter. This is a chapter, which it's based on a book. That's what it has. It has chapters. Fair enough. But uh, I guess that made me feel kind of lost in the film because it comes to the, this grand big moment. He completes this thing. It feels like this could be the end of a movie. And then another section no, is starting. No, I thought it because to him, Sabor meant nothing except for he was this pest around that kept trying to kill people. And his like that was annoying to him. There was no emotional connection to that. It was just, I've become a man. I've, it's like, I've become a hunter. I've skinned my bear sort of, sort of stereotype. And for me, it was, that is ending this montage of growing up and he's, he's finally an adult. And as an adult, he's already to, he's gotten all the physical stuff out of the way. Now it's time for the emotional part of the journey. Hmm. Okay. Well, there wasn't the only time I felt where a, a few scenes could be their own movie. Another part was when they are teaching him English. There's been movies where they spend the entire film trying to convey different way of talking, different way of thinking, teaching language when to I... a person. And they condense that to like... A montage. I think My Fair Lady basically does the same thing too. Now, My Fair Lady, they spend the entire film trying to teach her the proper way to talk. 
yes and no, but but the actual learning mon the learning the thing is a mon like one song. It's just the the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plains. That is where the teaching montage happens. And after that it's just Oh, look at this girl. She's messing up more. But it's not focused entirely on we're in the classroom and we're teaching. It's all just in that one song. Perhaps a better example in more recent history is the movie Arrival, where they're trying to have to teach human language to aliens. And that takes the course of the film. Are you calling Tarzan an alien? He is completely unaware of how human language works. He's but only talked to apes. It's not about the language. It should be more because no. it's hard. You know what, though? You say that, but he spoke... The first time he met Jane, it took him like 20 seconds to repeat what the words she was saying. So... That comes in because he's very good at copying sounds. Yeah. He copies an elephant noise to scare his mother in the beginning. As soon as he hears a gunshot, he's able to copy it exactly at the same volume. There are some people so that are much so humans. that when it comes down to Tarzan holding the gun, about to to kill the obvious bad guy, he doesn't pull the trigger, he just makes the noise, and the bad guy, who is an expert in guns, believes he has pulled the trigger. To be fair, if you have a gun pointed at you and you hear a loud noise, I'm gonna think it's a gunshot whether or not it sounds actually like a gunshot. So if I was holding a gun at you and I say, bang, you would react <laughs> as if it was not going Not you, off. because I don't seriously think you're gonna shoot me. If this is a tense, sure tense thing where he's... Sh- Shot my father. He's already shot the father at this point, right? Yes. yes. He has shot my father. Not I dead. have the gun up to his throat and I make a loud noise and I'm a natural mimic, even if it's not exactly right. I'm going to flinch because it's a very tense situation and a loud noise just got made. <laughs> well, another thing with the language that got me is Tarzan's name is directly translatable to English and gorilla. Like it sounds the same somehow. Don't where, ask like, questions. his mom na- doesn't. Kerchik's name does not, but apparently Tarzan is a well, cognate between no, the two languages. Ker- Kerchik's does, because they say something about Kerchik. I think when he's speaking human, he says Kerchik. Okay, now in the examples where we get of Jane trying to learn uh, monkey speak, uh, I think she says, ooh, ah, ee, ah, ooh, uh, or something like that. And it's, it's supposed to like convey that, but... that Jane stays with Tarzan. Yeah. yeah. But Tarzan saying his name in a human language, it's not the only one, because he does say Kerchik at one point, I think, in human language. Yes. And we're not supposed to make right. sense. How are the elephants and monkeys talking to each other? How how in any Disney movie do any of the animals talk to anyone? Do don't overthink it. This is a Disney animation. But it is common in mythology that animals can talk to each other, but humans are distinct from them but in that in they don't speak the same language. But in some, the different bre- groups of animals like cuz I have there have been books where it is there's a divide between meat eaters and like between the carnivores and the herbivores and they have different languages and stuff like that and and so I don't know magic he's a magic man all right fine how can he he's lift a, a silverback gorilla at the end when Kerchik yeah. is dead wait how does he pick him up i don't know <laughs> nobody can tell it's just magic Okay, I want to say one of my notes at the very beginning when they first find Tarzan, well, when Kala first finds Tarzan and he's a tiny little baby. For some reason, one of my notes is, this movie predicted baby sneezing YouTube videos before YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) They just knew it would be adorable. Yeah, it's kind of like a a cross-species version of the baby panda sneeze, where he sneezes and it startles her, and I'm like, hey... They just knew. 
Yeah, I loved a lot of the beginning of this movie. That part, especially. Though, we do have to discuss. So, the cat has killed Tarzan's parents. We know this because Kala goes into their house and finds the baby under a blanket, which the cat probably... The cat is still there and hasn't found. But we also see the parents' bodies in the corner telling us that they're dead. She leaves through a, a, a chase scene where the cat is chasing her. Are the bodies still there when Tarzan goes back? I assume it's been a good 50... It's got to be at least 20 years, right? He's probably in his early 20s at this point, both him and Jane. Sure. But they would there would be bones there at least then. Yes. But it's the jungle. I assume someone, some sort of scavenger or something has taken them within that time. It's the jungle. They would have taken the meat. <laughs> if that's maybe. what the jungle was. I, I was going to try to quote uh, Jungle Book, but then I couldn't remember what the line is. Law of the jungle? Sure. That that sounds good. Let's go with that one. I also laughed really hard at um, when she first finds him and she's like, huh? And the baby also goes, huh? Huh? Yeah, it's an adorable moment. And, and I think it's really funny that throughout the whole chasing, the baby's just like, oh, this is so funny. Because there are certain things where like things that should scare babies, they're just like, oh, this is great. And then they'll be scared of like a food and it'll be like the worst thing in their lives. And I'm like, no, that's very true to human nature. Babies do not understand the right things to be scared of. <laughs> Though one of my notes was that Tarzan is like the chillest kid ever. Because I've known parents with children. Sometimes they will cry for hours for no reason. That doesn't work in the jungle. Animals will find (laughs) you. Animals will kill you. That baby was just having an adventure. It was like baby's day out, but with more leopard killing. (laughs) Baby's day out too. Taking it to the jungle. Uh, Oh, I also, one of the things that I think Disney is really good at is they're good at finding this middle of the road balance between you want the human, the the animals to be human-like because that's how you connect to them. You don't want these like, I'm a gorilla, I eat things and don't care about other people sort of things. Like you want them to have human emotions so you can kind of connect. Lion King does that. Uh, Jungle Book to extent does that, things like that. And so I thought the conversation when she brings him back and all of the other gorillas are just like, huh, that really is something where they're all like, how do we say it? Like, this is our, our leader's what like partner how do we say you have brought home some sort of weird monster but without making it sound like an insult and they're all just like huh that is certainly something you found in the jungle <laughs> and it has to be turk that is just like that thing is ugly uh willie says something like he's a freak in nature yeah or something. something like that. it's really freaky uh it's freaky looking okay that's what it is i sent you guys a pinterest thing you sent us yes, something you did. but we're busy podcasting so i didn't yeah, but yeah. It, it, it's that scene because the monkeys behind i swear some of them look like guys to go back to earlier all right yes some of them do i grant you i just hmm it goes against gorilla nature then they're not trying gorilla nature because it's how disney is very good at displaying animals in the way that they actually are but not necessarily in the way that then you're gonna have to explain to your five-year-old what a harem is well yes but they don't address it directly yeah but i mean there's definitely some more male-looking ones there, so I was right. Uh, fine. But I also like uh, Turk's comment on the name, because they, they do the classic tropes of Tarzan, where, like, they give him the name, they explain how his call to the wild comes out. Uh, but when the mom tries to name him Tarzan, Turk is like, Tarzan? Well, I guess, if that's what you want to call him, it's, it's your baby, I guess. I will say, Turk is the only character that only has one voice actor, the one of the ones that age. It's really- Rosie O'Donnell pitched up, whereas everyone else has a different actor, because, like, Tarzan's one is that kid from, like, Home Alone 3. You know that weird blonde kid? 
With like Wait, the Home cut. Alone 3? Oh, home yeah, Alone sorry. 3. I'm thinking of Home Improvement 3, which what? isn't a thing. What? <laughs> with that, like, blonde kid with the bowl cut. You know who I'm talking about. I do, who starred with Scarlett Johansson in that movie. Yes. Uh, but I liked Tarzan's voice as a child. I didn't buy his voice as an oh, adult. I was the opposite. I thought his child's voice was the stupidest, whiniest, ninetieth voice ever. And I loved, um, what's his name? Uh, Tony... Goldwyn is Goldwyn? adult adult Tyler Zan. Blah, blah. I, I think it's a very polished voice. I think it's very nice to listen to, but I don't think it matches the wild man character that is Tarzan. No, I, I, I love agree it. With I disagree. Carl still. We're we're gonna spend this whole episode just disagreeing with Sarah and pretty, pretty much. much. No, I thought it was very Sarah, had we this... are trying to convince you that this is an okay movie at best. Oh no, you will not. <laughs> I have you're gonna hate me when you see what I ranked it. No. I love this voice. I like his voice. I also like his voice on Scandal, which I don't watch much, but when I do... I think Tarzan. Good good job, <laughs> Well, wouldn't you want Tarzan to be president of the United States? Uh, no, I wouldn't, because that means... So, it, it comes well, also, up in the film a little bit. Well, also, it doesn't work he's not, British. Not him being president, not him being British, but they're taking him to a city, which I don't think he would thrive in that environment, having grown know. up in the jungle, where, like, there are no borders. The entire jungle is your George, oyster to George explore. of the jungle was survive he, he met a sure but <laughs> it's basically I think, the same thing right? i think tarzan would feel as confined as he felt in that boat because that room in that boat would be the size of like an apartment in the city we got in this argument because i'm trying character. to bring it back to the film the way that the podcast is supposed to be about but we didn't start here we started with what his voice sounded like and if we're talking about voices brian blessed is a gift yes like though he, if we're I love talking him. about Brian Blessed, we have to get into Clayton because I love Brian Blessed. I've seen him on talk shows. I love his stories. I just want him to talk on end he, for hours yeah. and I would listen to that. No, some people are like, we want Morgan Freeman. We want uh, James Wilson. No, I want Brian Blessed constantly. He has the voice of like the ghost of Christmas present. It's just big and booming and great. And I love it. And like the fact that he is an actual explorer has climbed Mount Everest. To he never reached the summit, but he got up there several times. He's climbed other mountains to the exact top. He has gone and met the Dalai Lama and boxed with him. This is a man who I think very much fits into the explorer archetype that he's given in this film. Brian Blessed. But Clayton has no depth whatsoever. He is obvious bad guy. He is a f complete flat character no. in that he has one goal, which is to find and shoot gorillas. Yes. Well, yeah, he's a poacher. Yes, but how did he get on this adventure? He is not conniving at all. He's very... She hired him as a protection. Because Jane and her father are real dumb. No, I think that's really funny is because he's this really, really obvious bad guy and both Jane and her father are real dumb about it because in a lot of other disney movies there's always someone who's like no we know this is the bad guy like in, in beauty and the beast they're like yeah we know gaston's kind of a jerk in aladdin they're like yeah something's not right about that jafar guy except for the sultan and it's kind of they're having the reaction that the sultan has to jafar and aladdin where they're like no every, we're we're nice everyone's nice he must be lights even though he keeps trying to shoot people and i think that's funny because every time like He's like, I'm going to shoot stuff. And they're like, no, no, don't do that. We're fine. We're safe. It's nothing. 
And he, he like makes obvious comments where he's like, no, he's trying to shoot something. They're like, no, that obviously couldn't be. And I find that funny. See, to me, it didn't work because unlike Jafar and unlike Scar, who were evil in private, but had a public face that you could tell that they were playing some games, but at least like it was somewhat believable that other characters would trust oh. them to an extent. Clayton has none of that. From onset, he is there to shoot things. That is why he has come. To me, it is great, like, comedic, situ not situational. What kind of a type of irony am I talking about? Dramatic irony? Yeah, because we know he's a bad guy, and they're like, no, no, he's totally not a bad guy, and don't find out till later. I love it. I think it's great. Okay, it did not work for me. Also, later in the film, we learn that... Uh, the explorers that have come, which is Jane and her father, who both like biologists trying to learn about gorillas. The father has been planning for this trip for 30 years. In that time period, why did they not find a single guide that would be interested in seeing but not killing gorillas? Because it was Victorian England and that cost a lot of money and a lot of time and everyone was probably like, nope. They did say he wasn't a guide. He says, you hired me to protect you. Yeah, he's like so a he body specifically there just to shoot things <laughs> but in a different way than what he actually was there to shoot things he's not a scientist he's not an explorer he's just a bodyguard that secretly wants to murder gorillas yes it is secretly a poacher fine as both a bodyguard and a hunter slash poacher he's pretty awful given that he shoots one thing the entire film by accident. Technically, he shoots two. He what? also shot Tarzan. He nicked Tarzan on the arm when he was saying, like, at most 25 feet He doesn't shoot Kerchak on accident. He totally shoots him on purpose. Well, he charges... And, like, he doesn't take aim. He just kind of pulls the trigger as a reaction. Is that not how you shoot things? No, you, sir, you line up the shot. Y yes. You aim. No, he, you time he it. You fire. He is the best hunter that ever. Is how you he hunt doesn't have to do those things. <laughs> he is a master. He is the Gaston. Right. He is not a master. He was not aiming he at all. He misses Tarzan tons of times. To be at fair, the beginning. Tarzan is a magic man. We've discussed this. Jeez. <laughs> Of course, because Sarah is never wrong. That is that is what the song by heart was talking about. Magic Man, it's just about Tarzan. <laughs> He's not good at tracking things. He's not good at laying traps. He is good at one thing, which is pulling the trigger of his gun. Wait, no, two things. Pulling a trigger and cutting trees Until down. Until the very end, he's not supposed to be doing those things. I think he's supposed to be there... To me, he should have been at least jungle-wise, had gone on other adventures. I mean, he probably has if he's got a whole poaching enterprise. Right. So he should be able to move through the jungle without destroying everything in his past. I don't think he does until the very... Well, he should I don't a lot know of things, if mercenaries but... are too worried about that. Yeah. He doesn't care about the deforestation of this area. <laughs> I What I found interesting about him was he's got his double barrel shotgun, right? I don't shotgun. know if I ever saw him reload it the whole time, even though he took like 200 shots in the movie. <laughs> Do you know how expensive it would have been to animate those reloading <laughs> scenes? We cut them out. <laughs> you animate it once in your repeat. It's not the first time Disney has done it. No, but I think they were beyond that at that point. That was like... In the golden age, they kept doing that. Fair enough. Okay. I don't know. This was one of the characters that didn't work for me. No, I, I loved him as a bad guy. Fair enough. Another, uh, not the characters themselves, but the relationship that didn't work for me is the relationship, which is supposed to be best friendship between Turk and Tarzan. Turk is at best a fair weather friend. I think it's, it like, 
I think it was advertised as she is the best friend, but I think really more what she is is because they're cousins. They're adopted cousins. Turk calls Kala aunt several times and so she's a cousin and I think that makes more sense Turk is older than Tarzan because she was already like talking age when they found him and I think it's more of oh this is my cousin and I love him but he's also a pain in my neck and I want him to not be there and bothering me and my friends. Okay, when Tarzan kills the leopard in the jungle and presents the body to the, the tribe, Turk busts in and says, move away, move away, best friend coming through. Yeah, That's me, not you. Because it's Turk and she takes advantage of anything that gets her positive attention. Anytime he gets annoying, she's like, eh, you're dead to me again. It's For me, it's very family-like where it's like, yeah, when things are going well, I totally want you to hang out with me. When you're being obnoxious and annoying, I want you to, I'm not going to claim you. Right. You are no well, longer my using, family member. Using your own words against you, then it was not as advertised. And it was well, the yeah. same way as Carl described it as a but, good weather friend. But we have yeah. to remember. Anything goes wrong, she doesn't want any part of it. When Tarzan leaves to go see Jane day after day, they don't really have a conversation about them not hanging out anymore. They just get one scene where Tarzan runs off and they look up and just like oh he's leaving again great well Turk is mad and but it's the same thing when um shoot what is the elephant's name Tantor 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 the guy from Seinfeld <laughs> yes Wayne Knight also in Jurassic Park no but he says basically at the end where it's like I am sick of the fact that you cannot deal with your emotions well and you just get literally mad anything is something that's not going your way is basically what he says at the end and that's showcased several times where she's like I don't care if I don't pay attention to you but if you don't pay attention to me I am mad about it which I have dealt with people like that I sometimes don't like that so to me it makes sense but you probably have more emotional maturity than me <laughs> <laughs> okay now in any other Disney film with a buddy buddy relationship you can point time and time again to examples where they work really well, and I think this fell short in comparison to other things in the Disney canon. Like, look at Ariel and Sebastian. Look at no, Ariel, um, Aladdin, uh, and Abu. Are you talking about Flounder? Because Sebastian. Flounder. <laughs> Sebastian was definitely not her best friend. No. Yes, but he helps. She he helps her out the most when she's on land in trouble. I was gonna oh, go no. with Flounder, but Flounder doesn't come up no, to the land. Most of the time, Sebastian is just like. You're doing dumb stuff. Will you stop doing dumb stuff? You're going to get me fired. That is their relationship. All right. It's like Zazie. Fair enough. Yes, probably Flounder is a better example, but you get my point. No, I don't. Because <laughs> that... you used the wrong example. Uh, Aladdin and Abu. But uh, Abu does the same thing where he gets real, real annoyed when he's like, you're hanging out with a girl instead of me. Dude. Yes, and it's a, yes, it's the same thing, but a better example of it because they did it better in that film. But I think the difference is... They only had each other, whereas this... They also have Tantor for some reason. Well, no, they also have an entire camp full of other gorillas that are friends that are friends with um, Turk, but are not necessarily friends with Tarzan. And so there are other characters that that character is interacting with and being friends with, where all Ubu has is Aladdin. Sure. They're stuck with each other. So this film requires that relationship because Tarzan gets locked in a boat when Clayton goes to get all the gorillas from the island and Tantor and Turk come out to the boat to break him out and free him and 
without that relationship, Tarzan is going to remain there and can't be able to save his family. But it's more Tantor that does it I don't think that's so strong. But Turk doesn't really do it. It's Tantor that does it. Exactly. Yeah. And we don't see that relationship (laughs) develop either. Even at the beginning, I don't know how Tantor got to be their friend because he was the one that freaked out about it when Tarzan first showed up at the elephant pool. Because apparently this is the one elephant with a short memory and is forgiving to everyone. Tantor's just like, everything's great. Disney is relying on shorthand here saying these no. are best friends these are the things they do as opposed to developing the relationship in this film for me these are more realistic re- relationships than any of the disney things because guess what people have more friends they have more relationships more ways they are being pulled apart and you don't necessarily see all of that in other things where it's just this is my only friend we are the only friends it's why we're the greatest friends because there are no other characters for us to interact with which yes, but isn't in realistic disney films where they distinctly go away from reality and give you idolized situation it's a weird change of place to put reality into this film but ignore other things like gorillas having harems and you know tarzan falling thing. in love for the first time and not exploring the body, which you shouldn't do in a Disney film, I grant you. But if we're going realism, there'd be things that they should discuss. But I don't think the thing is, the reason they don't discuss it is Turk doesn't want to discuss it. That's the whole thing about Turk is she's not going to talk about it. She's not going to admit she's upset. She's not going to admit she's hurt. It doesn't come about until right at the end when Tantor is finally like, you need to get over yourself. I get that it is aligned with the character. Then I don't know what you're upset about. I'm not upset about the character. I'm upset that this film, the narrative, didn't show me the bond before they banked in on it to count on the bond in order for them to save Tarzan. But you're still talking about Turk, but that wasn't about Turk. Fine. Let's talk about Tantor. Did they have a moment where they displayed their friendship or like they showed that they were had the closest bond that he would come risk his life no, to save Tarzan? But I, but I don't think Tantor is really risking anything. He's an elephant. <laughs> but they have shown in other scenes that Tantor is willing to help in, in basically any situation. Tantor is kind of the whole something happening. I'm going to help. I'm going to be up for that. It's very kind of easygoing and willing to kind of just do stuff than the others are. And so, hey, someone's in trouble. I'm going to go do that. Okay. We're going to have to agree to disagree. I think that's going to be the entire part of this movie. Yeah, I think so as well. (laughs) So uh, to branch off from this and go in a completely different direction. Oh, also maybe Tantor still thinks he's an elephant. Tarzan. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe Tantor still believes Tarzan is an elephant. He enjoys a peanut. I enjoy a peanut. (laughs) So we must be the same. Uh, I do want to talk about the... Is it baby lemurs and butterflies? (laughs) No, we can (laughs) get into that later. Uh, I want to talk about the expedition that the father has planned, presumably for the past 30 years. I don't think he's been like planning. I think he's just wanted to and has been like this bucket list dream. It's not like he spent his whole life doing that. I'm sure you don't get paid doing that. But the purpose of this expedition is for them to find and study gorillas. So if Tarzan is not a part of the equation, that is their sole purpose. If, they're, if that's their sole purpose, why did they bring all the educational materials to teach someone English? Because they have, like, slides that display a whole sort of knowledge. They have a children's book by which they teach Tarzan to read. They even brought a penny farthing, which is hard to control on level ground. Um, okay, this character is the equivalent of 
Maurice from Beauty and the Beast. I don't know why he does anything. He just does. Why does he have a dog stuffed animal in his pocket when he gets put upside down? I don't know. Yeah, it just seemed this is the most poorly I... planned expedition unless you're planning on finding someone and teaching no, him the ways of human No, beings. I think it's just the original part. It's poorly planned. He is absent-minded. He is scramble-brained. He doesn't know what he's doing half the time. I think he went, huh, I'm probably going to forget something. It takes like several months to get back and forth from here to England. I'm just going to pack everything. Who knows what I'm going to need? Do you think you will need a scale model of the solar system on a gorilla expedition? Yes. Then maybe you shouldn't plan gorilla expeditions. <laughs> maybe they were going to teach the gorillas how to be human. I don't put this character, I don't put it past anything for him to think like, no, this is a logical thing to take on a boat trip. Because he is like, no, he really is like the Maurice of this thing. We're like, no, do I need a bicycle in the jungle? Yes. Who knows if I'm going to have to teach someone how to ride a bike. Maybe I want to ride a bike. Maybe I need exercise. Maybe someone's going to get a concussion and we have to reteach them everything. Maybe, like... <laughs> I think you're giving the film way more credit than the, even the creators put into it. <laughs> no, but I think it's perfectly in line with that character because he is nutty. Uh, speaking about the petty farthing, this, this film has weird rules on, like you know, gravity and friction, given that Tarzan takes the penny farthing and, like, ramps and grinds it off a uh, Again. a mossy vine, like, bringing it down, swerving to the ground, and at times, surfing it like Teen Wolf on a van. Again, you want to know my answer? Is it magic? It is magic. <laughs> Tarzan is magic. I feel like... Well, according to some people, he is the half-sibling of the people from Frozen, so maybe that isn't uh... magic. Mm. <laughs> Anna has... It's magic and he can control gravity. But Anna didn't have any magic. Yeah, because she true. was the least favorite child. She had the magic of love. This yeah, guy, she, though, she, must have had, like, husband. the toughest feet in the world if he's just sliding off of tree branches like that all the time. I, I could actually give that a pass. That's something that I thought through because everything he slides across is a very mossy tree branch. Well, and it's been 20 years of building up calluses. Yeah. Have you ever gone, like, barefoot for a summer? That's what you I'm get, saying. Like, After all of that, he has feet. really tough feet. Although there's also yeah. the time when he's saving Jane from from all the baboons and he catches her with his feet <laughs> Which... so that that to me is one of the highlights of the film is that baboon chase i loved yep. every second oh, of it also i believe he can do those things with his feet because i can i mean i can open doors and i have like i don't even have ridiculous monkey toes i can open doors with my feet i can like pick things up with my feet as a child i could operate a vcr with my feet just because i didn't want to get up and he he has like Maybe I'll have to ask my sister, and she's going to be mad because she listens to this, but she has, like, the world's longest toes. So maybe we'll have to see, like, can you Tarzan this, Kate? Can you Tarzan this? That is our new web series. You can find it on YouTube. Can it Tarzan? And now she's going to disown me. <laughs> oh, no, I do I do love that monkey chase, and I love how it leads into um, Jane's monologue at the end where she's telling people about it because apparently most of that was just um, improvised. She just went on a rant and ends and comes to the end with one of my favorite lines, which is, and daddy, they took my boot. <laughs> which okay. has the funniest delivery in the whole movie. I agree that that is a great line, but the end of this chase scene is where I was no longer on board with the movie. Partly because... 
up until this point, Jane, uh, when you meet Jane, I don't think she's a very likable character. Oh, I, I don't, love Jane. I don't like her. She chose the worst dress to go tramping <gasps> through a jungle. Yeah. It was the Victorian era. It was Why would you wear a dress? But later on, she has a much more reasonable outfit for the climate and the stuff that she'll be doing. At that point, they found a monkey man, and all rules are out the window. Also, I <laughs> all think rules are off of the monkey man. They just come out off the boat, and probably she hasn't changed yet. But they hadn't, and that was her England. No, because but at that point, Clayton says that they had been. This was the first they had seen in days, which means they had been there to, for a while. To be fair, it does appear to be her only dress. Fair enough. Now, I didn't like her there. I didn't particularly like the way that I she was that talking costume. or the way that she was drawn. It initially she. She looked like she had, like, an aristocratic overbite. I think that tapers off as the film goes on. Uh, But the reason I hated this monologue is because we have just seen, like, this 10-minute chase scene throughout the jungle. And then she is describing in words the things that we just saw on film happen moments before. It drove me nuts. Because, like... The way that this is dealt with in other films is you have these conversations, but you don't show them to the audience. And if you do, you do it like Casablanca, where two people walk to the edge of the screen, you spin the propellers. When they come back, you assume they know everything the audience We are not comparing this to Casablanca, because, hey guys, I don't necessarily like Casablanca that much. That's, That's fine. But it's just an example of how they deal with characters learning about expedition or expedition exposition. exposition. She's not giving the whole feedback. The the point of it is not to give you a play by play again. The point is to show how like kind of in this manic state she is while trying to describe that. And you can't just be like, well, we've shown the whole action scene and then anything. Oh, yeah, she was real worked up about it. And that happy end. No, you need to show her being like completely like manic worked up and be like, and then so you can have like the people be like, eh, no, you're you might have a concussion. We think you're going crazy. Did you see things? And if and you have to have both. Even that isn't played up so much because the next time we see them is when she's drawing Tarzan. Kerchak doesn't believe he exists. This isn't explored at all because right when they get into it, Tarzan jumps into frame and they're like, oh, of course he exists. He's right here. Well, I think the dad being again kind of a nut. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, because he goes on this whole little, like, thing about, oh, her mother, she used to have makeup things like this. Not about naked loincloth men, but oh. And and it's kind of just like, oh, yeah, crazy runs in the family. It's normal. Whereas, like, Clayton kind of is this, like, he's very condescending to her. And he's like, oh, poor little girl having hallucinations in the jungle. How sad. How sad. Can you find me gorillas to kill? I'd really love gorillas to kill. I think this is going to be another moment where we just don't agree. (laughs) <laughs> possibly because i fact, think I, literally mean, i think everything you've said the has entire been wrong, podcast. and you think everything i've said has been wrong and it's not gonna change this is why mark doesn't say anything i'm gonna i'm gonna just to make you guys stop talking and yelling at each other um we <laughs> carl said something earlier about not exploring the body to get to know these people that look like you there is the point when he first meets her up in the tree that he's looking at her feet and starts to lift up her dress, and she kicks him. <laughs> Which but... I think is the funniest moment. Because she's just like, okay, 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 and just like <laughs> straight out like clocks him in the face. Which I think is really funny. Oh, apparently 
I'm just finding this regarding um, the scene where Jane describes meeting Tarzan for the first time to her father and Clayton was improvised by Minnie Driver. Sarah just said that. I just said that. There's more to it, Sarah. That's introducing it back to our audience. Resulting in Ken Duncan animating one of the longest animated scenes on record. The scene took seven weeks to animate and 73 feet of film. I, I still think that is a funny scene, and I think Mini Dragon. You're talking is about he, the, her rant prompted them to animate the chase scene, is what you're saying, I think. Or was that just her ranting? Was what? Because they... the rant isn't that long. Oh, uh, many of Minnie Driver's mannerisms and characteristics were incorporated into Jane's animation. So I, I believe Although, they were just talking about the ranting scene. I think the, the baboon weird, chase reminded me a lot of Emperor's New Groove <gasps> when mm, they're running true. away from the panthers or whatever the cats are in the jungle. If we're talking about callbacks to other Disney things, in the scene where baby Tarzan gets too close to Kerchak and Turk has to come rescue him. It was very Aladdin to me because he's just like, pay no attention to this crazy person. We're going to go over here. And it's very similar to the the like the scene where Aladdin first meets Jasmine. And he's just mm-hmm. like doing the whole thing about taking her to the doctor. And, oh, hello, doctor. No, this is a camel. That scene, <laughs> it felt very similar where the... The character is rescuing the other person from something dangerous by pretending that person is insane. Yeah, so let's talk about the scene where Tarzan is tricked through terrible reverse psychology from Clayton that he should show them where the gorillas Are we just going to completely skip over trash in the camp? I mean, we can come back to it. This isn't the end of the film. It's not supposed to be Trash in the camp is way earlier than that. Yeah, it's right after the chase scene. Is it? Oh, yeah, because that happens while they're trying to find Jane. Right, and they come so back to a trash camp. Kind of and during the chase scene. And et cetera, et cetera. I love that song, <laughs> except for, was it Sync that did the cover in the credits? It, maybe. I didn't love that song. I didn't either. It, it might be because I did that in choir at least one or two times, and so for me it's like, oh, I know all the words. I, well, I think the, that would make sound. me like it less. <laughs> the words? It's like jazz. <laughs> But there are, like, in the music, there are specific syllables for that. There are specific words. It's not just, like, make random noises to this thing. There is specific shabada, shubadoo, like, that don't change. So, to me, this, I love it. this scene for our audience is where the gorillas discovered the people's camp. Uh, they start toying around with things, you know, playing with them and starting to destroy them. And through their actions, they start making noises that build into a song, and they go on this whole big song as they destroy the rest of the camp. Oh, yeah, it trash in the camp. Yes. To me, this didn't work, I think, because I'm more of an adult now, and I oh, don't no, I love seeing things destroyed, because <laughs> I understand how very long it takes to acquire things Were and you keep like, them in oh, working no, order. They're killing Mrs. Potts! And then clean up the whole thing camp afterwards. They don't have to worry about that. That's someone else's problem. <laughs> For me, it was kind of like the... I mean, it's not, but in the way, it's very like the BR guest where this song and that song really did nothing to push the plot forward. Nope. They're just big kind of show stop numbers in the middle where they kind of show off doing stuff 
And in the same way, like, uh, be our guest says that, because that in no way, it, in, in some ways, it's just like a waste of 10 minutes because nothing happens. It doesn't change anything. She's still in trouble. But it's just like, hey, guys, let's show off what's going on in the castle and waste so much food. How, how do you feel about that one as an adult, Carl? I, I haven't seen it. We'll need to do it oh, on the, the podcast. Poor people. Uh, but for me, also, on, you know, trashing the camp scene, it's kind of building to a big finish but the finish that they give me isn't as large as i would like it to be and so i kind of felt like it didn't deliver on the promise that they had set out to do at the start of the song i think now we're just into like what styles of music people like and there's gonna be no real agreement on that yes but i largely like disney songs and this doesn't deliver on that but this isn't a it's a disney renaissance film but it isn't really i'd say it's closer to maybe like some of the ideas behind like the Pixar movies and stuff like that, where because there's very few parts of the characters singing. It's just kind of a very no. I'm not gonna spoil that because that's something I'm gonna talk about later. But like whereas Pixar, it's like all the music is just um for like Toy Story. It's just hey, it's uh um what's his face, Randy Newman. It's just Randy Newman songs that fit into this movie in the same way that this is Phil Collins movies. I, I would agree with that. Movie. We should talk about Phil Collins' music in this. But to me... <laughs> Say it, nothing bad. I love this soundtrack. I love this soundtrack too, which is why I was so disappointed the first time I saw it because I remember loving the soundtrack. And to me, I also associated it with loving the movie and it delivering time after time. And I was disappointed the first time I watched it. Now, going back and having watched it a second time, I went in with lower expectations and it exceeded them. And so right now I'm kind of in the middle for the film. Oh no. Even first watching, I was just like rocking out and being like. To the songs. I'm sorry. But what about the movie no, itself? No, and there were all the emotional mo- movies, and I was like, ah, I'm gonna cry. It's so emotional. And <laughs> apparently it's just me. To Pro- be fair, probably. I watched this at probably about one o'clock in the morning. So I probably was a little bit more emotional than normal. So probably a lot of those scenes, like those heart touching scenes, I was just like, everything is sad. <laughs> this movie had heart touching scenes. We will get into that. We will get <gasps> into that. Let's talk about Phil Collins music because unlike some of the other films in the Disney Renaissance, as you said, large part, these are not the characters singing the song. Phil Collins' music is more or less a narrator to the film, so much so that in many cases, the words that he is singing is a literal description of things that are happening on screen at that time. And to me, I I don't know what came first, whether it was the animation or the music. I have to assume it was the music, which means that this is kind of lazy animation because it's a bit on the nose like these are the words he's saying we need to display the the words that he is saying as opposed to showing it more of a metaphor i would say it would maybe be the other way around since the animation takes a really long time and phil collins can probably whip up a song in like a day then it's probably a little lazy on Phil Collins' point. Well, he's Phil Collins. He can do what he wants. <laughs> and in some cases in this film, a character will start a song and then be like, Phil Collins, you take it from here. We're done. I, I liked that because I like sort of just the no one's talking. We're just sweeping over the scenery and seeing the characters reacting in it. 
Lord of the Rings does that a lot. I like those things where you just get to listen to music. And if they were singing, it'd be a lot harder to do that because the character is still fully involved in the scene. Whereas when you switch it over to Phil Collins singing, you can kind of pull back and just see the scene as a whole and see them kind of in the the element of the But um, to Carl's atmosphere. point, if that's what's happening, you can see what they're doing. You don't need the song to tell you the same thing that you're already watching. I don't care if the lyrics are kind of just completely on point i still like those songs i, I, love I them. like them too but to me they're far more satisfying to listen to when you can imagine what it would be whereas the animation that actually goes along with it is too literal a music video see i didn't find that quite as much i think it's maybe you <laughs> not in a bad way it's just i i that doesn't i like that they tie in really well because i don't find it super literal on some of the stuff uh he literally sings take my hand and they take hands there's well, a world yeah. i need to show you and he shows her a world of birds no he shows her just the birds <laughs> but but they're he's showing her that beforehand i don't uh also in the beginning scene where it's uh two worlds one family literally about two worlds uh, joining together and uh build higher walls being build stronger something it's his family literally building the tree camp see but that doesn't bother me because it's more like that's literal and the songs are symbolic yeah, but they're not symbolic <laughs> but they are because they're not when they're talking about building higher walls he's not talking about hey i'm singing about building a tree house but he's no. It's when the father is literally pulling ropes and raising the walls yes, of the house they're going to live in. It happens at the same in. time. But literally, it's not Phil Collins being like this. Line is literally about a treehouse. It's not <laughs> literally about a treehouse. All right, maybe there's some depth there, but I don't know. A lot of times, like it them. just it took me out of it, and it didn't make me oh, appreciate no. what was happening because. I could see the, I could hear the words, and they were describing literal things I was seeing. So see, it was more I, like a documentary than it was a, a, a narrative to me. You've told me before you think a lot of music is really boring. Is I there do. a problem in the fact that this is you really like show tunes, I and do. that's about it? Is the fact that it's less show tuny and more rock does that bother you? Maybe, maybe <laughs> that's it. But the, one of the things I love about musicals uh, is that the songs are the inner motivations of the characters, which we would normally only That's see only been through a, a few since 1926. lines in a film. Whereas these aren't displaying inner monologues. They aren't displaying feelings of the characters. They're just describing exp exposition. Exposition. There's the word. No one liked my bit of Broadway trivia. Come on. I was talking. Credit. I didn't hear it. I said that that has only been a thing since 1927. Okay, thank you. Before then, the songs had nothing to do with the plot. Then why? Is that also why they still have dance breaks that have nothing to do with the plot? No, that's just because in like the 20s, uh, the probably 30s and 40s, just tap dancing was real big. And so they were, there's the Bob Fosse musicals of like the, 50, I guess maybe 60s and 70s. I don't know when Fosse was big, but like just because people like dance. But no, in like Showboat was the first American musical that actually had songs that moved forward the plot. But they don't have to be innermost songs. Some are just like big show numbers are normally just like no one's talking about what they're feeling. It's just like, hey, guys, big things are happening. Here's what's happening in our play. No one cares about emotions. We're just telling you the plot. Fair enough. Now, we should start to are there, are there, there just too many? Are there too many drums for you, form. Carl? Is there just too many drums? Maybe. Maybe it's the jungle music I don't care for. Oh, I have to. Can I say one thing? There are a couple things that. I did dislike, but they just haven't really come up yet. Yeah. Um, but can I say one thing that 
literally has nothing to do with anything, but it really bothered me. So in near the end, when they go back on the boat to get England and it turns out they have this like treasure island sort of thing where like, turns out half the crew was pirates sort of thing. One of the pirates had a tattoo on his arm that was a heart. But it was literally just a black outline of a heart. There was nothing else to this tattoo. And I'm just like, that is the least, like, you think, like, oh, yeah, I have, like, the mom heart. That's the traditional with, like, the arrow and it's kind of got you. No, it was just the outline of a heart on his bicep. And I'm like, why would they even bother? Oh, goodness. It bothered me. I want to see if I can find a picture of that because it was just, I, they, someone literally thought about that and went, yeah, we're going to animate that. We're going to animate that terrible tattoo. <laughs> I want to know that pirate's backstory. Or, or he was just a stock pirate character. But he's the only, but it's not even a pirate tattoo. It's just a heart. I, I just. Pirates always I don't know have heart that, tattoos. You know But this. not, no. no he's in love just, with the sea. It literally just looks like a pencil outline of a heart. It doesn't. I, you have to look at it for me to really kind of impact this heart. I just, it bothered me. I'm sorry. Fair enough. All right, is there anything else we want to get to before we take it to Act 3, which will be um, Tarzan getting saved and going to save his family? One thing, well, just a random thing, his flower pose that he does when he tries to give Jane the flowers, I thought was really funny. Because I think it really makes sense because in everything else, Tarzan is very much about like mimicking things when he doesn't quite fully understand it. He's just like, I'll mimic it exactly. Mimic the sounds, things like that. And he does like exactly the pose on the thing where he's like full chest out, arm up. And it's so funny because he's like, no, this is what I've seen. This is the exact pose I must do. Yes. Now, I want to say something about that because they also had a projection of people dancing but it's a still frame. There's no way that Tarzan would be able to extrapolate that these people are moving around in step. And yet he sees this, grabs Jane, and starts jumping right. around and dancing. Is it is it just the penny farthing that gets animated? Yes, that's, that's the yeah. only thing that's in rotoscope. I might have slightly not paid much attention because I was really rocking out to this song. <laughs> I like, Strangers Like Me, I think would be the best song off that soundtrack. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do like the song, even though it does get literal at the end. That's the one where you're both going to disagree with me because... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that the music is one of the high points of this movie for me, but even then... I think other Disney films have had much better songs. I would agree with that. This one is very distinct in that it is a a single, I don't want to say a single theme, but it's distinct in that It's a single it sound because it's very within like Phil the Collins. Disney family. It's very much it's this guy's music applied to Disney characters. Which I mean, which is again why I say it's more like Pixar cuz Pixar does that. Yes. Where just everything is Randy Newman. Even when it's not Randy Newman. Occasionally, they do have very, very sad songs, which are usually not a part of the plot. They're like flashbacks. Oh, I guess Sarah McLaughlin was in the yeah. same. But in like the first movie, even like I Will Go Sailing No More, which to be fair, is a little bit literal because he can't fly anymore because <laughs> he's a space. That was a sad uh, song. It is a sad song, but I mean, it is just if you listen to it, Apart from the movie, it is just a sad Randy Newman song. All right. We have been running long for the past two episodes, so let's nip this in the <laughs> butt. Let's go to Act oh. 3. Wait, I had one more thing. Is, All right, is hurry. Is Act 3 bef 
before or after he goes to the treehouse? Uh, this after, would be right? after because he goes okay. to the treehouse, then trapped on the boat. How did he never find the treehouse? Oh yeah, he's been exploring the entire island. See, I had a note. That I don't think Kala it's an island. They're in Africa. Very mean in that she never explained that he was a different species, even though he specifically asked, "Why am I so different?" But in the other way. If she had told him and said, you're a different species, he'd be like, well, why aren't there any more of me? And she'd have to explain that. And and, and maybe she thought, because a lot of times parents, like, what they think is going to be the nicer answer is not necessarily so. Because maybe she thought not having to explain that his parents are dead and no other person like him was ever going to come. In her thought, she thought that no one else like you was ever going to come here. Maybe saying that she thought would make him feel lonelier and that it was easier not to say that. But I was just like, and also they're not on an island, I don't think, because they're in Africa. You I think they're just right. on the. I think they're just on the coastline. Okay. But I just, he's apparently not as good at explorer as we thought because he never found that. Maybe it's like, maybe it's like Lion King. Gakala's just like, and that part of the forest, we do not go. <laughs> this is not our kingdom. The baboons live there. <laughs> to that point, she did have to go very far away from her own tribe to retrieve him in the first place. Yeah. So it's so possible it just, just isn't on the path that Kerchuk has been taking them around. He determines where they go. Maybe he specifically avoided getting close to that area ever. But maybe it got taken. Oh, well, no. Never mind. Don't listen to me. All right. Never do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's go on to Act 3. So uh, Turk and Tontor break Tarzan out of the boat. We get a weird shot where Tontor is using his trunk as a periscope and can see out of it, even though that's not biology. I don't care. I think it's funny. Uh, and this is a scene that I really love because here Tarzan has been dressed in the garb of his father, traditional people clothes, because he's about to go to England uh, with Jane and her father. And as he breaks out, he starts stripping off of his clothes and going back to his original outfit for the film. And as he approaches his camp, where he knows the hunters are and they are taking his family, he gets the entire jungle to come with him. He gets the elephants. He gets the baboons that attacked Jane before. Who, Who are now like BFFs with Jane. Her and baby monkey are like, like just because super close because the baby monkey got her boot, got her umbrella and the picture of himself. Yeah, that's what he he was just really vain. He so just really wanted that. If picture. he's wearing his father's outfit, you think he took that off of the dead body that you saw in the treehouse earlier? Not literal father's <laughs> outfit. I don't think <laughs> you, you do have to assume they found a trunk of clothes wash up on the shore somewhere. Maybe <laughs> let's hope. Or maybe it was just another thing that was in one of those trunks. They should. They had plenty of other stuff that they brought with maybe, them that they didn't need. So maybe Jane's father was like, "I'm going on this adventure. It's going to be a lot of exercise. I'm going to finally get that real swole body I want." <laughs> and so he's like, "I got to pack for that just in case." Wait, but did he not did not happen. Tarzan did not get the clothes from the the expedition. Does he not? No, he walks into the treehouse. He has a conversation with his mother about this is where you came from. I just want you to be happy. If you want to leave with these people, leave with these people and. When Tarzan walks out, he is in human clothing and the mom is crushed a little bit, meaning that she's losing her child. And that's where they had the conversation where Tarzan is like, wherever I go, you will always be my mother. To be fair, I don't know why Kala's so mad about that. He did get himself kicked out of the monkey trap. They're not monkeys, they're apes, but 
So it's not like he could have really stayed with her. He'd have to like live in the treehouse and be even more of a sad loner. Or he could become an elephant. He likes a peanut. I like a peanut. <laughs> We're all elephants. Uh, but after being cast out of his family, he is now line. back to save his family. Uh, and this is a legitimately great fight scene in where every animal kind of has their moment where they're attacking these pirates. They're putting them into cages. They're breaking other people out of cages. I know that's later. Uh, saves Tarzan from getting shot. Uh, and... Like, the emotional moment of this is not Kerchak getting shot by Clayton. That I literally felt nothing for. Oh, no. My first thing is the Beauty and the Beast moment they have be- before he gets shot. When he when Tarzan first comes back to the, the apes is Kerchak says, you came back. Which is a very Beauty and the Beast moment. Except no one is... No one yet is dying on the floor. The far more emotional moment for me is when his mom is getting taken away in the cage. But it's not even played up. It's immediately resolved because Jane finds a vine, swings over, and knocks them out and saves the mom within two seconds. So it's an emotional moment they could have... No, what happens is she can't get her out. Tarzan comes, saves her by hitting the one guy with a... uh, I'd like a t- tire iron, not a tire iron, like a. The, the guy was yeah, going yeah, to crowbar. attack Jane. Crowbar, and, thank you. And, and then she's like, she just him. looks over, doesn't pay attention to it. It's like, oh, look, a crowbar. So I got the, the order of operations wrong there. Yes, it is Jane the Tarzan who saves Kala from the cage. My point was more, I, it's not very emotional because you get this moment and then it's immediately resolved. That scene for me wasn't about Tarzan and Kala. I thought it was more about Jane and Kala because Kala did not. was pretty scared of Jane and it was like eh, this, this this like Jewish mother this this girl's taking away my son sort of thing and I think that moment was kind of just yeah she's gonna save me she's not gonna be bad to my boy she's okay so for me the point I was trying to make was that as an audience member it's far more emotional because we have seen a relationship with the mom more through the film than we have with the father so when the father gets shot I didn't feel like anything because oh, that no. relationship didn't really build. It didn't have a strong enough bond. For me, it was finally at the end, Kerchik being able to let go of not only like Tarzan isn't one of us and he doesn't look like us. It was because he says to Kala, he will never replace the one we lost. And he's never been able to get over that and kind of takes it out on Tarzan. And this is finally him coming to terms with. But, well, you're talking about the, the very end when he's dying. Carl is just talking about him getting shot initially. Well, yes, I, I think both moments for me, because I uh, even when he talks to Tarzan at the end, it's just I get where you're going with the story. It didn't quite work for me. It didn't hit yeah. me as strongly as I, it could. I don't think it, for me, it wasn't the emotion of, oh, this is sad because uh, uh, shoot. Daddy, Daddy Ape Kerchick. got shot. It was good. Thank you, Kerchick. Um, it was more just kind of that stopping point because up until then, yeah, Tarzan gets like nicked in the arm, but that's kind of it. Yeah, they're having these fights, but it's just kind of people beating each other up. The one guy gets hit with a with a crowbar, but I mean, in Disney style, that's not going to kill you. But like, there's this moment of finally, no. This is changed to someone is actually going to die, and and for Tarzan, that's it. No, it's no longer this campy big every like, um, the mob scene in Be- <laughs> referencing Beauty and the Beast again, but that mob scene in Beauty and the Beast where in you have the part where it's this oh this is goofy and all of the people are doing these different fight attacks, which is kind of the beginning of this thing, but then it gets to there's a turning point where 
no, this is a serious fight and people are going to get killed. And I think him getting shot is that turning point where they're just like, no more goofy monkeys. We've got to like end this now. And it does lead into his showdown uh, with Clayton, uh, which I really enjoyed in that Tarzan never succumbs to you know the base human emotions that Clayton is displaying because he takes the gun he threatens to shoot Clayton decides he's not going to be that man breaks the gun and Clayton Tarzan is magic because that thing just shatters well yes I think it well it could have just fallen down and done the same thing yep then it might have gone off accident (laughs) but the showdown in the vines works for me because you know Tarzan is trying to get away because Clayton's got the knife coming after him more of a machete than a knife uh and all these vines Vines are falling, so Tarzan has to keep moving. He gets backed up against a tree. Clayton's about to get him, and Tarzan once again uses his knowledge of the jungle uh, for his advantage. It starts wrapping vines around Clayton, and Clayton starts slashing at them, not realizing that he has one around his neck. He slashes one too many, loses all uh, support for his body except for the one on his neck, and that's where he falls and hangs himself in silhouette. I think this is, I think there are a lot of examples in Disney where the way the villain gets finished off is not by the hero doing anything, it's really the villain's own actions coming back to destroy him and I, and and kind of having that thing be that the hero is the stronger person by not having to kind of stoop to that level and the villain kind of their actions are what kills them um this one does it well Gaston it's kind of like that because he offers to pull him up and he's like yeah no I'd rather just fall off well, the yeah, building. And, and this one even Tarzan even told him Clayton stop yeah and he's just he was like, yelling <laughs> he was trying to get him to- hey, hey guy hey guy there's there's this thing but I will say this is is this is only the second most terrifying villain death in Disney Renaissance all right I is will Hunchback say Hunchback Adventure Dom oh yes yeah because at least in this one, no one gets sent to hell. <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> <laughs> that we, well, I mean, it was not animated that they get sent to hell. Whereas in Hunchback, that is kind of. All right. Well, to finish us off, we get the the death scene where Kerchak um, tells Tarzan that he needs to lead the tribe now and calls him his son for the very first time. Uh, as previously mentioned, this didn't work very well for me. For me, I did tear up. It was just kind of exposition. Didn't get any emotional notes off of it. Far more emotional. You're, you're dead inside. No, far more emotional is when Jane decides, well, Jane is leaving on the boat to take her back to the bigger boat to take her back to London. And she has the conversation with her dad and the dad's like, why are you leaving? You're in love. You should stay. Um, Jane's dad is like team Jane Tarzan the whole way. He's just like, yeah, this is this is totally normal. I am on board. Should I leave you alone with this drawing you just did of this man? <laughs> yeah, because again, he is a nut. That line and I love was him. weird. <laughs> um, my yes. my big question about that scene is how did you No, this is why I said earlier that this apparently is the only dress she has, because how did she get the dress back? It had to have been ruined by Turk wearing it, but yet she is wearing the yellow dress at the end does she just have 10 copies of the same yellow dress i think so or she's really good at (laughs) stitching to get it back in working order i don't know uh but yeah she leaves the boat she goes with tarzan their first kiss is very emotional because she surprises him with it and he's like what the hell was that we should do that again because he's like and she's just like oh right this probably isn't like because when she tries to shake his hand at one point he does the whole the yeah, hands the, the together hand thing to hand. which let's compare oh, which I I don't know you probably all think it's cheesy and terrible but I like those moments when they have because it starts with him and Kala doing it and then it's it's a reoccurring thing and for me that is always like oh that's because 
I like cheesy nonsense. But yeah, but she's kind of like, oh, uh, maybe he doesn't know this human emotion of, of kissing. Human what emotion. is this thing human we call action love? Of- <laughs> Gorillas don't kiss. <laughs> Sorry. I'm still trying to find this tattoo of a heart. Oh, no, Well, you're not going to get it in time because we're going to close this out. That was Tarzan. Oh, I'm just going to find the picture and put it on our Facebook. Fine. That works. Um, so we're going to close this off. That was Tarzan. Long form. Let's go on to games. Our first game is the pitch movie, where you describe to, a, say, a Hollywood producer is about to make this film, or a person you know who has never seen it, what this film is uh, in terms of other movies. So, in the form, it's this meets this. So, Sarah, what do you have for Tarzan? I'm going to do my little, obs- not obscure, but kind of stretching it one first, which is like some of the plot, not plot wise, but like emotion wise and some of the character uh, archetype wise, I put it as Lion King meets Beauty and the Beast. All right. Cause just because cause some of the, the, like I said, like the father seems similar and some of the bad guys seem similar and, and I, the idea of like. I completely agree. And it, it may have taken some from mine. Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, it's fine. We were bound to go over, have some overlap here. But my first one is also a Disney film. I called it basically a gender-swapped Pocahontas. Ah, <laughs> you. <laughs> well, Mark, what do you have then? I, I, had, I had, well, you were supposed to mix two movies together, first of all. But <laughs> I, had, I had Jungle Book meeting Pocahontas because ah. it's basically the same story where the child gets found in the jungle and is raised by the animals it's just different animals i will say i have both of those but mixed with other things oh wow okay let's go to sarah's second one what do you got <laughs> my second one is just pocahontas meets george of the jungle <laughs> yes yes both of those were coming up uh for me as well and sarah i didn't realize this but i actually have the same one you did before but here's my <laughs> reasoning uh So this is a film where a woman with brown hair in a fancy yellow dress tames the heart of a man who behaves like an animal whilst he learns to act like a gentleman. Also, a certain tea set shows up. And this is a film where the main character grows up in a jungle to eventually confront and defeat the large cat who killed his father. Also, he has two best friends, one of which is a brownish red color with tusks, and the other is much smaller, a bit of a loudmouth, and is voiced by a Broadway star. It's Beauty and the Beast meets Lion King. Are we calling Rosie O'Donnell a Broadway she star? She has been on Broadway. Yeah, but I mean, that's not what I would like. <laughs> if I'm I'm listing her, like, her careers, Broadway star would probably somewhere be near the bottom of the list. The, but it's on like, the list. It's still, it's still but it's talk show on host, the comedian. List. Yep. Her one show failed. Sarah, did you have another one? I do. I, again, use Jungle Book because, yeah, a human with talking animal friends. But also, a boy who probably should have realized earlier that he was adopted. So, Jungle Book meets Elf. Because, <laughs> like, Tarzan is very much like, he knows he's different and he doesn't know why. But it's not till the treehouse where he's like, oh, I'm adopted? And it's the same thing with Elf where he's like, what do you mean I'm not an elf? <laughs> Uh, I honestly thought we were going to overlap again. I'm glad we did not, because my last one, uh, since this is a story where a boat is marooned on an island and a surviving family builds a treehouse as a shelter only to find out that doing so wasn't the greatest of ideas, 
and a movie where a baby is isolated from his birth parents and adopted by a species that is not his own, is unpopular with his peers as a child, and trains to physical perfection through the magic of montage. Also, he falls in love with, like, the first woman he ever meets. This is Swiss Family Robinson meets Hercules. Hercules. To be fair, that is not the first woman Hercules meets. It's just the one, first one who's, like, The one sassy. that's not his mom. No, he's through the country and stuff he's met other people has he? there are other women in the town he grew up in we don't see him just because like this is not he does not live in a small greek village where it's a bunch of men and also his mom <laughs> we're not having a it's not a reverse harem fine uh let's go on to our second game which is alternate taglines so something you would see on a movie poster that describes the theme of the movie but purposely misses the point before we do the actual tagline for this movie is tarzan an immortal legend as you've only imagined which yeah it's fine it's pretty good it's not the worst we've seen by a long shot that book came out in what the 20s Earlier? I think later. I want to say the 70s. It couldn't be in the 70s. Are you kidding? I don't know. I, I it looked it up just It came out in 1912. Oh, you know what? I was looking up a different book. Never mind. Sarah, what do you like... have for an alternate tagline? <laughs> I was like, Edgar Rice Burroughs died in the 50s. <laughs> I had Tarzan. Come for the animation. Stay for the Phil Collins. <laughs> uh, so I, I had would trouble. not. <laughs> I had trouble well, coming up I love with Phil three of them that were original. So for my first one, I've stolen it from a different movie. Uh, uh -oh. So I saw the through line because Kerchik has a very singular message that I thought lined up well with a character in this other film. Let's see if you can guess what movie this is. Uh, so it's Tarzan. If loyalties must be broken, if lines must be crossed, do it fast, do it furious. Is it Fast and it Furious? It is the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> Kerchak has a singular message, just like, my family. I gotta protect my family. Oh, right. He totally yes. is. Yes, um, Dominic Toretto. Toretto. <laughs> yeah, Vin Diesel. Oh, it's okay, because there are tanks. Now. Uh, I want to see that Diesel crossover. Vin Diesel could definitely do the voiceover if they remake this. Or the oh, voice no. Voice. No, no, they'll do live action. Something... Oh, good. Because <laughs> every time Vin Diesel does an animated voice or the voice they of They die tragically, something... but are ultimately and okay. And I cry. And I cry like a little baby. <laughs> All right, Marty, what do you have for an alternate tagline? Uh, this is actually stolen directly from a quote from the movie. And it kind of actually tells the exact story of the movie. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I liked it anyway. Tarzan, people get lost in the jungle every day. <laughs> God dang it. Pretty great. Sorry. Okay. Um, my second one is <laughs> has nothing to do with the movie, but I thought it was fun. <laughs> it was just <laughs> this would obviously be for, for the re-release. They wouldn't have put this on the original. So it's just Tarzan, remember when Rosie O'Donnell was popular? <laughs> 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 yeah, that has nothing to do with the movie. Hey, but she had she had a great heyday in, in that time period. She did. All right, my second one is Tarzan, hoes before bros. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Mark, so, did you have a second one? I have, Sorry, I have a second one because somebody had to say it because gorillas. I have Tarzan, hashtag Harambe. Oh, shit. Too soon. Too soon. It'll always be too soon. All right, I'll finish this off then. I have one more. Tarzan, Genesis in the Jungle. 
Because Phil Collin. He was the second lead singer. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't come here for my well-known music trivia that everyone knows. Right. No, we came here for Carl. the arguing back and forth for two hours. It's only like an hour and a half. <laughs> it's not my fault that Carl is always wrong, according to me. Our third game is the TV guide game, uh, where you describe the plot of the film, much like you find in a Netflix description or a TV guide, where it is technically true, but is also not the theme of the movie. Uh, so, Sarah, we'll start us off again. What do you got? So my first one is, is how I would describe it if this was a nature documentary, <laughs> which is introducing a new species to a secluded jungle land promotes poaching and environmental issues. Hmm. You can't say I'm wrong. Yep, I sure can't. See, mine are just okay this week, which is uh, <laughs> a leader desperately wants to keep his family safe, but through the naive actions of one of its members, both the family's stability and its future are called into question. Because, you know, babies is going to be hard. <laughs> Isn't that basically just the exact one we could use for the movie? Yeah, like I, I thought said, you they're were missing the point here, They're just Carl. okay. Mine is also just okay. <clears throat> An entrepreneur's plans for riches are thwarted by a hairless ape and his jungle pals. <laughs> oh, very nice. I have a very similar one. But, Sarah, did you have a second? Good. <laughs> My second one is just an hour and a half long Phil Collins animated music special. Uh, yeah, my second one. A terrible hunter finds his chance to make it big, teaming up with a research group heading into the heart of darkness. But because of an unexpected interloper, he soon loses not only his chance at fortune, but also his life. That was very similar. It was. All right. Is that going to close us off for games? No, I've got one more. Oh, go, go, go. Oh. A young man learns he's adopted while attempting to try out the dating scene. Yep. Very good. <laughs> I vote it the best. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's go on to ratings. Our first rating scale is kind of an emotional scale where we describe the emotions that you will feel when you see this film. So, guys, what do you have? What is Tarzan in terms of potatoes? Aaron's going to disagree with me, so I want to go last. <laughs> All right, Mark, start us off. I'm pulling up the scale. You know, <laughs> Sarah's going to hate me, so... I am. Just, <laughs> just assume I'm always going to hate you. You know, well, honestly, I, I, I thought it was an okay movie, but I just could not get into it, and it didn't pull me in with the story, and some of the characters were not all there. Not much about it made me want to watch it a lot, but I do remember that as a kid it was big, but I think maybe it was just that it's a Disney movie and everybody wants to watch those, but I was thinking... Uh, tater tots because that is our rating that is just for kids uh so for me based on our scale i remember it being a lot better i still would probably love the soundtrack it would probably bring back fonder memories than this film did especially the first time i watched it i would probably rate it sweet potatoes which on our scale means that they are not as expected uh also kind of potato skins where there's just not enough there simply because the big emotional moment the thing that they've been building to the thing one of the major plot points in the film uh which is Kerchuk's death doesn't work for me like that the emotions it's trying to evoke in me totally failed to do so i was gonna say you're a heartless robot again but i thought I that's wouldn't. that's fair. and then you did, but anyway. I did anyway so yes i suppose my that's... rating is sweet potato skins 
That's kind of what I was, I, I ended up with the Just for Kids, but the Potato Skins was the other one that I was debating about. So. All right, Sarah, tell us how wrong we are. What was your rating? <laughs> so I came up with a new one for this because I would say, again, mashed potatoes, like all of this, the music, the visuals, everything to me was just, I saw this. Probably, I don't think I saw this one in theaters, but I saw it pretty soon after. And because I know I saw it before I moved and this came out in 99 and I moved in 2000. So sometime was in the first year it came out. And so for me, this was like, oh, everything is still as I remember from my childhood. There was there were specific lines I remembered word for word. Um, and so mashed potatoes. But also I'm going to come up with my new one is Fuddruckers fries, which I love. Fud- you This means nothing to you guys. I love Fuddrucker fries. <laughs> and so... These are not quite as good as Five Guys fries, but just underneath that. Because I, I can't push it up to the Fuddruckers fries because it is not my favorite Disney, Disney Renaissance movie. is that what movie. you just said? Right, right. She can't push it up to Five Guys. <laughs> oh, to Five Guys. That's what I meant. Because it's not my d- favorite Disney Renaissance movie. So I don't want it to quite, it can't quite claim that. But it's, it's definitely not my least favorite. Um, but I still, like, I enjoyed every minute. I was singing along, which I shouldn't have been because it was like, one in the morning and I was real bad at it at one in the morning. Um, but no, so. All right. I disagreed. That's fair. <laughs> You'll probably disagree on our next scale as well, which is a rewatchability scale from <laughs> zero to ten. Uh, rating, should our viewers go back and rewatch it should, if they are nostalgic for it? So zero, bad, ten, good. Uh, to say it in Tarzan speak. Me, Tarzan, you, Jen. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so what would you guys give it on a scale from zero to ten? <laughs> Mark, let's let's let I'm, Sarah go last and I'm, get the I'm final a word on, gag it. on what, a what rating did you get? Um, you might be surprised about this, but even though I didn't enjoy it very much, based on our reasoning for this scale, if it's a movie that you feel nostalgic for, um, and you feel that you might want to watch it again, I would probably put it at a seven or an eight. If if you're nostalgic for it and you want to rewatch it, then that's up to you. And if you don't like it, then there's that. But but you may end up liking it because Sarah sure did. So I think for that okay. reason, I would put it higher just so that you can go back and enjoy it yourself if you want to yeah i'm honestly not too low i probably would have rated it lower upon first viewing which is kind of you know what's going to be our audience experience however um i watch it twice two different nights so i can eliminate like whether it's something that i'm feeling that day that makes me feel that this movie was terrible uh and the second viewing was much better so i'm going to give it higher than i would have before but i'm also going to mitigate people's expectations because if you go in with high expectations which was my first watch I don't think it delivers on all of them. Uh, so I'm going to give it just above middle range. I'm going to go with a solid six. All right. So I did remember something that might also be a thing that's skewing my thing is the fact that I'm a, I am love Kingdom Hearts, the video game, the first one. And this Tarzan is one of the areas in Kingdom Hearts. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, that was so such a beautiful stage in Kingdom Hearts. I love Tarzan. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but no, I I don't know. I'm going to be the pro people. I gave it an 8.75, I think. Not quite a, quite a 9. I'm, I'm, because there are, there are things that, like, I felt like, probably the opposite, maybe, of some people. I felt like it was too short. I think it could have used a good 20 extra minutes for some of the things to be a little less montage There were, like, a good 10 montages in that, that thing. 
And there are some, and it might just because I'm older now and because like Tumblr and stuff love posting frames of like mid animation where the faces just look real dumb. But there were some like mid mid frame, like transition animations. I'm like, their face looks real weird. And I'm sure if I watched a lot of the other Disney ones, I would pick up on those too now. Because I mean, they happen in everything because normally you don't see them because it's real fast and you're not paying attention. But I think Tumblr has ruined me. So there were those things. But also, I think this movie probably has some of the most beautiful scenery and background visuals in any Disney animated one. I think it's right up there with the Beauty and the Beast ballroom scene. So that kind of skews me. And I like the music. I like Phil Collins. All right. Well, let's agree to disagree. Uh, So that's our rating scales. Let's go on to our movie for next time. So this has been my pick, my first pick since Mighty Ducks. Uh, so we know this. Our audience might as well know as well. We're going to have to have a quick turnaround on this one. So I've chosen a movie that is easy to see. It is on Netflix. Uh, and it, Yay. I've got it down to two. Is it Toys with Robin Williams? Oh, my huh. God. You picked it in one. We don't even, no, it's not that. Oh. Uh, so, I remember liking that as a child, but it's apparently horrible. <laughs> I, I've rewatched it since. I can... Yeah, it's I have horrible. Not. I I might have at the time been distracted by giant toy factory and paid no attention to the plot. I never saw it in the first place, so <laughs> So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and pick one of the two and we can do twenty questions to determine what this movie is. I will tell you the through line for me was adoption. Is it animated? Yes. That Are you looking up adoption out. films? No, I, I had been on Netflix because I was trying to find that heart tattoo, okay. which I did find. Yes, you did. It's exactly as described and not that notable. <laughs> it, it bothers me. I had an idea, but that if it's animated, that took it away. So now I have to uh, think of something else. Is it, Are there any is it animal Disney? sidekicks? I think it's Disney. I will check because I am not the resident expert on Disney. I, are you talking to Mark or to me? Uh, so Mark asked, is it Disney? I will need your question again. Oh, I said, are there animal sidekicks? Um, hmm, yes. Adoption yes to which sidekicks? question? Uh, y- yes and yes. <laughs> oh. No, that's not right. That can't be the right one. Wait. Is the main character human? Uh, well, y- yes. Yes. For- no, it's yes. it. Does it take place outside the United States? No. I wanted to say Lilo and Stitch, but that isn't an animal. That's an alien. Let's call it an animal. <laughs> it's, a, it's a koala collie. Is it Lilo and Stitch? It is Lilo and Stitch. Yes. <laughs> who who are we saying gets adopted? Stitch, Stitch gets adopted. Okay. Because Lilo doesn't. She just gets. Right. She ha- her, well, her she is an orphan. Are dead. She has problems with staying with her sister. Yes. And- so I'm calling it adoption because he does get some, somewhat rescued from Technically, dog place. She does adopt him from the pound. Yes, and she has mm-hmm. a certificate, and he becomes part of their family because nobody gets left behind. Ohana means family. And family means someone who gets left behind. All right. So our remembrances of Lilo and/or Stitch. How did you not remember Lilo and Stitch was Disney? I I had a hunch. Uh, I could. I doubted myself was the thing. I don't know how. I don't know. There's a lot of animated things that I remember as a child being Disney and they turn out, whoa, that wasn't Disney. I just remember Disney being the one sole animator of my childhood, which isn't true. No, DreamWorks had a lot. Yeah. I will say the one way that's really easy, and you probably don't remember this, but I remember this, to remember it's Disney is a lot of the commercials they had for Lilo and Stitch was Stitch 
going into other movies. Ah. So there's one time with the flying car where mm-hmm. he picks up Jasmine from the flying carpet and just leaves Aladdin there. <laughs> um, I think he shows up in Beauty and the Beast yep. in one of them. He's climbing um, around so, in the ballroom scene. Right. Oh, yeah, he's on the ceiling. Yep. He brings the chandelier down. <laughs> so that's a good way to remember. All right. I liked those ads. So let's talk about the plot of what we remember. Literally everything, because I've seen this movie a lot. Stuff happens, um, and Mark, then Lilo comes down. Mark, you are Officer our resident Bubbles. Disney expert. <laughs> Lilo is a girl who is dealing with custody issues, having been currently be raised by her sister, who doesn't have a very steady job. They live in Hawaii. She has no friends. And she makes voodoo dolls of them and sticks them in a pickle jar. <laughs> my friends have been... There's, there's a scene where she is and she's like, my fr- something about my friends have been bad. They need to be punished. And she shakes the pickle jar. <laughs> she wants to go adopt a dog. She is the a dog very troubled girl alien. to uh, kind of... What What is their goal in getting set? She wants a dog so that Lilo will stop misbehaving. Is that kind of the idea? Like it will give her some sort of responsibility? I think maybe. I don't know. I just remember the lady at the uh, the kennel place being like it it might be a collie <laughs> but then you know the, then the um adoption agency sends mr bubbles right yes the, not the adoption agency that's just child services yes child services well actually he works for the cia but right that's... and he's trying <laughs> yes. to track stitch no i thought so, he was retired from the cia stitch is an alien and now he's he is working an escaped as... criminal who crashed lands on earth uh and to kind of hide from the people pursuing him he goes around people the idea being he is around these hostages so these aliens won't come attack him uh or recapture him as long as he's around humans so they go to this adoption agency. Stitch has the ability to change his body, and so he morphs himself into a dog-like okay. creature. Well, he's basically himself. He just removes a no, few of just... his arms. Yeah. Yeah, and gets rid of his tentacle. Tentacles? Not tentacles. Antenna. <laughs> Antennae. Yes. Thank you. Also, I would like to say I was correct. Officer Bubbles is no longer a CIA agent. He's retired because, remember, he's not looking for Stitch. He just happens to be there and being like, hey, I've dealt with these guys before. He's, he's just a social worker. He's not there for for stitch at all he's just i retired from the cia what do i do now i'm a social worker of course you are i just remember all the other dogs being terrified in the background of that scene like and there's one like hanging from the ceiling because it's so and 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 stitch is like the evil alien guy and so once lilo finds out she draws a little picture of him and starts coloring it in for how evil he is but he she tries to erase it as he does good deeds there is an Elvis montage yes, there is. where she tries to teach him how to be good. Yes, because it's great. Stitch has really weird powers in that no, they're never fully explained. Like he can, uh, he can act as a what is the thing? The thing for a record player, the thing that emits sound, the thing that was in Tontor's trunk to be, act like a trumpet. <laughs> no, keep phonograph. going. I like this phonograph. He can act like a phonograph where if he puts a finger, a nail on a record, he can open his mouth and the music comes out. Which is possibly one of the funnier scenes where it's like early in the morning and she drags him in and just opens the mouth, closes the mouth, opens the mouth, closes the mouth. Yeah, so they go through a series of adventures by which Sitch learns compassion uh, for his new family and Lilo is... Is she less weird or does Stitch cause more problems? I don't think she's less weird. I think she just finds a place where she's allowed to be weird. Mm, Because that way they all belong together and complete each other. Yeah, Yeah. they just make a weirdo family. Yes, so the aliens in pursuit of Stitch eventually recapture him. And I think the conclusion of that, because Lilo makes a plot or a... 
um, a speech about how they're closer and they need each other. Uh, they decide that his punishment at the end of the film is just going to be he's still in prison, but he's allowed to live out his imprisonment isolated on this island or island Earth planet. Yeah, the the islands of our solar system, the planets. Earth. <laughs> to be fair to you, they are in Hawaii. It is an island. Yes. Well, multiple islands. Oh, also, the thing is called the horn or the pavilion. Oh. Also, things I remember is the girl who voices Lilo is also Samara in the ring. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit much. And these came out, I think, close, maybe to the same time? It was maybe the ring early was a- 2000s, I think. Oh, two, oh, three. All right. Well, I think we're done with our recapping of that plot. So why don't we close out this episode with our, oh, before we go on to my final feature, let's do plugs because we forgot that for the past two episodes. Yes, please. So, Sarah, could you please remind people where they can contact us as you are doing some of our social media? I am. You can find us at Facebook at, at Retrograding Podcasts. You can find us at our Twitter, which is at RetrogradingPod, and we have an email. We do have an email. Uh, I think it's Retrograding... We have an email! RetrogradingPodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Also, you can find our episodes at Retrograding.Fireside.fm. So, uh, our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her at Dominique A. Barnes on SoundCloud if you'd like to contact her or hear more. And that is going to take us to our final feature, which is, guys... I learned something today. So Is it that Sarah's always right? It's not. It will never be that. I guarantee, <laughs> gosh darn to you. <laughs> so there is a moment in this film where Tarzan's mother is trying to teach him that although he looks different, they are the same. The way that she does this is she explains, you have a nose, I have a nose. You have eyes, I have eyes. We have ears, we have hands, we have heartbeats. We therefore the same so through this analogy humans are the same as raccoons so maybe give them a break every so often i probably am a raccoon (laughs) that's gonna do it for this episode of retrograding join us next time when we'll be going through the movie lilo and stitch we'll catch you then I'll give you a countdown and in three. What? Where's my timer? Show me my timer. It's right here. I got to start it first. (laughs) And in three, two, one, go. Well, before we do that, I have a couple things of trivia. Okay. Let's. Hmm. So this is the section we're cutting out. We're not going to do this, but why don't we do games and then trivia and then new movie? Eh, my only trivia is really that this was the end of the Renaissance and it was the last movie to win an Oscar until 2012. Well, not Disney Animation Picture to win an Oscar till 2012. <sighs> I don't want to cut this together, so you're going to say that again when we get to it. Um, no, let's just not do it. It's not that interesting. Fine, we won't do it. And like when Tarzan, Tarzan, Tarzan. when Tarzan leaves to go see Jane. Um. 
I don't even know where we are in my notes anymore. I have the daddy. Well, that's because you were food. too busy ranting about everything else. Because everything Carl says is wrong. Incorrect. Mark has agreed me agreed with me on most of it. It's yeah, true. but Mark also disliked Homeward Bound, so his opinion is. I also void liked now. Casablanca, so. <laughs> Mm, I don't so dislike Casablanca. I just it's not you just my said favorite. That you don't. No, I said I don't really like it. <laughs> it's not my favorite. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. Sorry, classic movie people. Ugh. I sorry. I like other things. 